Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I'm right here, folks, man. I got this, yeah. Welcome back, Ankle Pickers. We're coming at you a little later than usual. Thursday night here. We had some scheduling conflicts, but we would never miss Bucks and Six, baby. With that being said, we've teased for a while that we have some announcements. Something's in the pipeline. We have things in the works. And this is the time of the pod where I hand it off to Country Club Kobe to, to release the news. Yeah, exciting news. We are assigned podcasts. We Signed a deal with Believe Podcast Network, and uh, we couldn't be more excited about it. So you'll, you'll, you'll hear a little bit more official-sounded podcast coming out. What does that mean for you listeners? Really a whole lot of no change. We're still coming at you twice a week. We're actually teasing maybe a third piece of content a week. I'll, we'll get back to that in a little bit. But twice a week still coming up. We'll be able to hook you listeners up with uh, deals from our ad partners going forward. We'll have some more guests, more access, more merch. It's really all benefits. So we couldn't be more excited. Great partner like Believe. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, I mean. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing more to say. I mean, it's huge. huge. It's huge. And we're so honored too, because we really couldn't do it with each, without every one of you listeners and, and Twitter reactions and, and fight interviews and just everything that we've had so far. It's been a journey, but we're beyond appreciative and I'm excited. And I can't wait for the, the content to continue to grow and the quality to continue to grow. I know Danny and I are full of quality with our brains, but. Surprise, surprise. surprise. Pop it back. Pohashka. With that being said, let's get into it. Are you guys ready? Anything else on the, I mean, we want to thank Belief Network, obviously. This is a, a new chapter in the Ankle Pick podcast going forward, but I think it's time to, to get into the breakdown. Or not breakdown. We're missing Parker tonight because we might have to bail him out of jail by the end of the night. He's been hanging that out with Tucker all day in, in Milwaukee after the Bucks and Six. So uh Wild prayers, World. Prayers up to Parker. Parker's doing bigger and better things than you know what? I take that back. We're doing the biggest and the baddest things right now, breaking down some some fight picks and hopefully getting some money too. Danny, I know you were green last week. Oh yeah. I had one of the better weeks of my MMA capping career. I think I was one pick away from a sweep. It was a missed prop on the Adolfo Vieira round one that I ended up getting the uh, late sub. So we'll get into that when we recap the thing. But I made over five units tracked and then some Galaxy Brain four units. I think I, I warned y'all and I tweeted them out on a couple underdogs that I was just had just had a good feeling going into it. And so much of it does become feel. I know you in the group, me were giving me a hard time for a couple of the picks I liked and you ended up being right. So you were just on, on jaw last week and we love to see it. So let's start it off. Just recapping quick heavyweight bout um, with Nascimento Ferreira, Rodrigo, Dan is so for those who didn't watch the, the curtain jerker, Fiera was a huge favorite going into the fight. And then after round one live, he was a huge underdog. I ended up getting a little bit on him live at, I think, plus 200-ish. But I know you liked Fiera, Fiera by sub here. Nascimento, uh, yeah. I definitely yeah. thought Nascimento was going to get that sub. I definitely thought he was going to have a more 
ground focus attack, maybe a, a takedown in the first round. I was surprised that he didn't. And he was getting really pieced up. He couldn't really find his footing, couldn't find his rhythm in the first round. And that's why he was such a big dog going into it. But obviously he wasn't out. And I definitely thought the comeback was going to be more of a ground approach. I thought he, the second that he got his hands on him or got him on his back, Baudo was going to be no problem or no defense for Rodrigo. But he was able to just do it with those heavy hands. Yeah, and do it ferociously too. I mean, it turned on a script almost. The first round, he was on skates for a lot of it. Got into the corner. And again, Baudet or Baudot, Baudet, however you're pronouncing it, he fights with Gon and Francis's old camp. So, you know, it's not like it's an inexperienced corner. So it's just interesting how fast to flip the script. And I think Nasruddin Imovov, who's on this week's card. Yeah. And I don't want to get too bogged down on the curtain jerker, but this is another must. The flyweight bout coming up. Francisco Figueredo versus Malcolm Gordon. I am infamously for coming on this pod and talking about how Malcolm Gordon is the worst rostered fighter. Malcolm Gordon shouldn't be in the UFC. Malcolm Gordon has gotten stouched in his first two fights, so on and so forth. And probably one of our most liked tweets to date that I sent out mid-card was a little update on that, where I said, worst-ranked fighter on the card, direct quote, and then I said, scratch that update, Figueredo 1, Malcolm Gordon 2. That fight was tough. I mean, that's the best I can say. It was just tough. Malcolm Gordon edged out a three-round decision, but it was – I mean, these two both just, I feel like, don't belong. I mean, Figueredo threw a flying knee, one one in rounds to start the third round and end on his back to a grappler. I mean, can, you can't make this shit up. Yeah, that one wasn't your fault. This was one of the galaxy brains I hit at the plus 245. I, there was just no reason for Francisco Figueroa to be that, that high of a favorite. And I, as much as I hate Malcolm Gordon and I don't think I'll ever back him again, this was just a, what the hell is this line doing? I, I, I had to do my due diligence well, and, and props throw a little to lunch money on it. Props to you because I learned a valuable lesson here where no matter how much, no matter how terrible you think the opposing fighter is, you need to still keep value in mind because I didn't care who Malcolm Gordon was fighting. I didn't care what the line was in my head. It was a foregone conclusion that he was going to lose. And you found a value spot. You hit it and you know, hats off. I I give it to you there. That was a good pick, but I agree. See you to both of them. I don't want to see him again. See you to both of them. Terrible. I mean, the fight itself was terrible. I just was, it was tragic. Bantamweight bout. Dan, you hit a dog pick here. I tailed you into this one happy i did it um sergey Mor- morozov defeated khalid taha via three-round decision and he was he was a plus 120 plus 130 underdog yeah this was one of my bigger plays of the night i was saying on the podcast last week i thought the i thought morozov should be the favorite and i was not really seeing anything from taha that led me to believe the number number was justified um, and I, and we just got a dominant fight. This was a fun one to watch. I think Morozov's a real prospect. He just definitely, as we touched on last week, got just a shit draw, uh, with getting under Magomedov in his, his debut. It's just, and, and even in that he defended well and, and, and kind of showed that he's, he's got some prowess in both striking yeah. and grappling. He didn't get absolutely run over, even though he got finished pretty earlier, I guess in the second round, but yeah, he showed he showed versus Khalid Taha that he's he's definitely a real deal prospect, and he could he could definitely make some noise. Yeah, and for those looking to tape and getting into rewatching fights for upcoming fight cards, trying to find value, 
I would encourage you to watch fights where, where your fighter even loses because there's a lot to learn with how they defend or how they look in tough compromising positions. And that's what I, I drew a lot of that too during uh, taping from Morozov against the Nurmagomedov fight. So it, there is something, it, it's not only taping the wins and seeing what they do well. It's also seeing where they struggle, seeing how they survive in deep waters and things like that that can help you find value in a line. Quick tip there. Women's strawweight bout, Amanda Lemos. I mean, this one didn't last at all. When I mean quick strawweight bout, I mean literally quick. 35 seconds, KO, TKO, probably the, the hardest hitting strawweight there is right now. Well, this was the Chris Tyone bad stoppage, right? Correct me if I'm wrong. This was a, a questionable stoppage. I don't say – I wouldn't say it was bad, but, I mean, Maserat Ruiz was on her – she hopped up on her feet and was like, what the fuck, I'm here, I'm back for more. But at the same time, she still was not all there. It was questionable. I don't know. To me, yeah, it was questionable. At least to me, I thought that she was all there the whole time. I thought she got dropped for sure, and that was not very questionable. I mean, obviously, she ended up on her butt, but I never really thought that she was unconscious, and I thought no, it was a weird stoppage yeah. for sure. Yeah, she didn't lose consciousness. It was more of a – it was a quick reaction. I remember being complaining live, like being like, whoa, let her go, but – then when she and it was Chris Tyone, by the way. Yeah, it was. I, Chris, I looked it, it up was, on UFC right? stats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Chris Tyone had that bout. You say it you was. Could, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it would have been nice to see Ruiz. I thought that might have been a potential dog spot. I know we. I mean, Amanda Lemos is is extremely talented, but at a plus, like you said, I mean, a lot of the time when when you have a women's strawweight bout and you're getting someone at plus four hundred, especially as a win in the octagon, it's 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 hard to justify a line that that steep if it's not Amanda Nunez, Shevchenko, you know, the, the top-notch guys. Welterweight bout capped off the prelim card. D-Rod, Daniel Rodriguez versus Preston Parsons making his debut. And I asked you last week on the pod, is Preston Parsons a COVID fighter? And you said, too early to tell. I want to see him fight first. He, he, he has some skills. He's a prospect that might be worth watching. He got KOTKO round one, three minutes and 47 seconds in, Dan. Let me ask you the question again. COVID fighter or is D-Rod just an absolute animal and you want to see Parsons stick around a little longer? I definitely want to give Parsons another fight. D-Rod was definitely too much too fast. He did not belong in the octagon with him. Um, but I, I still kind of am on, am on the fence, same camp as last week, too early to tell. I'd, I'd like to give him another fight, maybe against someone that's as green as him or even even somewhere close. But D-Rod absolutely dismantled him, and that was not a fair fight. Yeah, it got out of hand fast for D-Rod. He was, I mean, as D-Rod is one to do, he was throwing absolute bombs, and it, it got bad fast for Parsons. And so I, it was a good stoppage on that one because that was going nowhere good anywhere fast is Bilal Muhammad too much for D-Rod next that's who he called out that's who D-Rod called out yeah. I like Bilal I don't Muhammad. hate it I favor Bilal Muhammad there though I think but I don't Bilal, hate the matchup no I don't hate the matchup either but the grappling exchange would be very one-sided um featherweight bout Gabriel Benitez Mowgli versus Billy Q Quarantillo and I'll be I mean hand up by me here I got stouched on this one I had a I believe two or three unit play here and on, on Benitez and, and Gabriel, I, I call him Gabriel. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. But Benitez, I, I really thought that he had a significant striking advantage. I thought that he would defend the takedown better. I, I didn't anticipate 
him spending so much time on his back. And, and honestly, I, I don't want to say it's a misread, but it obviously I lost un, unquestionable bad read there by me. Billy Q gets the KOTKO near the end of the round, which also we will let you know later at MCC, but that did, Parker, the resident casual who, who attends one out of every five, had Billy Q at KOTKO and is leading the pack in the MCC for those who follow along. But yeah, I mean, tough one for me. I won't even lie. I, uh, that one hurt. Yeah, this was part two of my galaxy brain hunch yeah. dog plays. Um, I just knew Billy Q, the gamer, is kind of what I said last week. He's a guy that gets better as he gets hit, which isn't – there aren't many guys like it that just – And I thought no he was how slow, progresses. and he didn't do that either. He dominated the first round. And so I was like, oh, well, hopefully hopefully Benitez can, can slowly get it back, but it just got worse and worse from there. Yeah, over two minutes control time every round, not a recipe oh, for was, anything. It was bad, and honestly – there's going to be a potential fade spot for Benitez going forward because you can't give up a takedown so easily, so often to Billy Q and not see that other people are going to attempt that. If, if he runs into a, a significant grappler, he, he's in trouble, like severe trouble is what I, uh, is what I saw. He looked like a fish out of water. Middleweight bout, Hidalfo Vieira coming back after a really brutal first performance against Anthony Hernandez against Dustin Stolfus, and he won via submission, third round, a late one, but a fast one. He backpacked him, took him to the mat, got the rear naked choke in there in the third round. Danny, you hit the submission prop. You missed by first round, but Vieira still got it done. I really wanted to ask you this all week, and I saved it for the podcast. Vieira going forward, what do you see out of him? I mean, he's clearly a submission specialist. He also clearly, to me, was very concerned about his gas tank. He was very aware that he gassed up the first time, was trying to keep it on the feet more, was staying out of high-intensity, like high-energy situations. He ended up getting the submission, but it was a little bit later than I know you and I suspected. Where, do you see him maybe considering a light heavyweight move to try to keep the cardio? I mean, I don't know where he goes, but... I, th- I think he stays where he is. I... What confused me about this fight was we've got a guy who's talked about how great he is at jujitsu. Um, and we've even gone on to say he, he's a one-dimensional MMA fighter in that terms. And that's what he got exposed as against Fluffy. And what shocked me in this fight was he swung the pendulum the like complete opposite way. He, instead of trying to mix in some striking and become a well-rounded fighter and, and threaten his takedowns and his ground move, he became a one-dimensional fighter, only kickboxing for two rounds. And I was sitting there like, is this the same Adolfo Vieira that I, I've seen win ADCCs? Who is this guy? And he looked good. He was winning. I mean, he was either 1919 or 2018 him um, after round two in, in almost a entirely kickboxing match, which was interesting it was not the game plan i wanted but i guess going forward it it shows or demonstrates that he's learning and and i guess moving forward i don't i really don't know how to judge him as a betting favorite i I think that he's showing he's more well-rounded and more um aware of his gas tank and 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 just demonstrating a better fight iq but 
I, I didn't want him to become a one-dimensional fighter the other way, the same way I don't want to be a one-dimensional fighter as a grappler. Yeah, I mean, it, I, the one thing I did like about it is that it shows he's committed to mixed martial arts. I mean, you see guys get stuck in that transition, mainly wrestlers that I've seen, but grapplers as well, where, you know, he, he, he focuses so much on his submission game that his, his career as a mi- mixed martial artist gets pigeonholed a little bit. But so to me, seeing him work in the standup was a good sign. Although, I don't know. I mean, do you see him as a contender? I'm not really sure. I, I don't know exactly. More of just like a guy who kind of just exists, you know, like a Max Griffin. He wins a couple, he loses a couple, he just kind of exists. But at the same time, I think that he could take out some guys like some lower ranked guys like Kevin Holland or, or Chris Weidman, guys that I don't know are either on a downslide or, or Kevin Holland have shown that they can be absolutely exposed on the ground yeah I, I mean i guess maybe in a situational matchup you're right in a situational matchup adolfo Vieira could be a very i think he could be ranked i'm not sure he could contend anytime soon maybe I ever unless he really really changes his craft takes a gilbert burns step forward in terms yeah, of like a, he's like a 10 to 15 type guy perennially yeah. a gatekeeper honestly but I glad, I'm glad we see it the same way. Lightweight bout. Jeremy Stevens, Matus Gamrat. No need to cap this one long because the fight didn't go long. Minute and five-second round one submission by Gamrat. And it was the one of the nastier Kimoras I've seen in a very long time. He, I think he transitioned into full mount, I believe, and just cranked that bitch to the next universe. I mean, I mean, at a certain point, it was full mount on the head. He was like, yeah. he was, was all a- over Jeremy. Jeremy looked lost. And I know we both were questioning, you know, Jeremy Stevens move up to lightweight. What's the power going to look like? Is Gamrat a fair price at minus 210? I think I told you night of the fight that I might even ride Stevens. I was almost there. I was convincing myself otherwise. I ended up being too big of a fan of Gamrat to do, to do that. But still, nonetheless, I mean, holy shit. Do we have something special in, in Matus Gamrat? Oh, for sure. I'll be, I'll be looking out for his first Panini Prism release. Yeah, a little foreshadow. Let's take a quick pause. Two seconds. For any, any of our listeners who are into sports cards or the huge collectibles business, Danny and I are – I've been in it. Danny's starting to get in it. And we think we're going to release a little content probably on the channel's YouTube page. But we'll also probably tweet it out, and then, you know, you'll get all the content there, maybe even a little segment on the pod here and there. But, yeah, we're going to go over some rookies, some possible good investments, some cards to look after. And if anyone else, who anyone listening is into cards or especially the UFC prism cards or collecting cards, reach out to us over on the socials at Ankle Pick Pod because we've just gotten so far into it. We would love to chat. Yeah, and, and especially if you're not into it yet and you want to be, send us some dms reese has got you he's he's an expert in this and and he can answer any questions you got be be active with us we will be active yeah, with y'all love it and it's such a fun hobby and there's mo- even more money to be made betting aside because if you're listening to this podcast you take this sport as seriously as we do and you you know the prospects i mean you know the matus gomrats of the world you know the marab devolish villies you know the asker askerov you, you know these guys and so there's potential investments. I sold all my Islam Makachev rookies from Topps Chrome 
for like a hundred bucks and I bought them for $10 back in the day. So these are the type of profits we're talking about. If you know what fighters to look for and, and who might be, who might touch gold. And I'm sure you guys can already tell us from here and speak about it, but seriously, if you want it, if you know nothing about it and you want to learn something, nothing gets Reese more excited than talking about this. Oh yeah. Slide in the DMs. Seriously, I mean, reach I am, out. I am, I am, I'm always down to answer the DMs and talk to anyone who might be interested in, picking up a new hobby, especially along with the sport that I know we new are. hobby, a new side hustle, new side hustle dinner money, whatever Put you want to call it, is, whatever you want to call it, it is as fun as can be. And it's, it's, it's exhilarating too, especially the sport we love. So if anyone cares, it's something I'm passionate about. Always done answer questions. With that being said, Gomrod is not in this year's prism, but maybe next year as he's a rising star, someone who is in this year prism, but not a rookie card, Marion Hanoi. Her retirement fight, KOTKO in the third round, she lost to Misha Tate, who made a return after five years and I believe only one pregnancy. But so I, I have one question for you, Reese. Yes, is sir. this the case of Misha looking that good or is it the case of, of Hano looking that bad? It's a phenomenal question. And I actually am going to say Misha looking that good. And I, and I, and it is Hano's time to retire. I don't want to beat over that i i think there's a good time for an exit five fight skid nine and eight in her mma career i mean she's a brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt i know she's a teacher on the side remarkable woman but for me should take to take five years off and dismantle this woman like this it says something because like we were talking about on the on the initial breakdown pod it's not like marion and was fighting scrubs you know what i mean and it's I mean, not like she was getting dismantled either right right she was hanging in there and it's not like she's all of a sudden aged 10 years over a year. You know, she just, Misha she's t- been active. She's been fighting and she's never lost this bad in the last five years or, or maybe even in her career. No, I agree. I tend, to, I tend to agree with you. Yeah. I, I like where that's going for Misha Tate. And I, I hope she takes this sport as seriously as she, she once did. Another and thing. I think she jumped up the rankings too. Oh yeah. As so, I mean, even just the name alone, Dana's a, a sneaky little bastard. Lastly, light heavyweight main event, Islam Makachev just absolutely did what Islam Makachev does against Tiago Moises. This was one of my better bets in a while. I took uh, Islam Makachev in the distance at plus money, which is shocking. As did I. Both of our cards. Yeah, almost he, had a, he almost had a sub in the second round, and, and the bell saved Moises, and then he got the job done there in the fourth. Danny, is there any chance in hell that Islam doesn't touch gold? I I, I think that I think he'll touch gold. Injury if, aside, if, I don't know how that's possible. I don't think that I agree with Habib saying that it'll be within the calendar year of like I think he's only got what like eight months left to do that. From when Khabib said it, I I just think that the UFC isn't going to let the lightweight division move that fast. But I do think that he's going to be contending for gold in his prime and probably holding not even probably he's going to be holding gold that's a card to get by the way listeners if you're if you're out there on the ebay investing get yourself an islam card oh yeah islam is islam is just out of this world i mean his grappling even again i I mean i know moises is a brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt and he's younger 25 26 whatever props to him for even taking this fight no one wants to take this fight, but dude, Islam had his, his way with him. 
I mean, it literally looked like a high school wrestler wrestling a middle schooler. Crazy. So can we take a sec to play a little matchmaker with the lightweight division? I would love that. Um, I mean, I guess I'll, I'll start. We know we're going to get some Dustin versus Oliveira. So that takes up the top two spots. Yeah. Or the one number one contender in the champ. Yeah. Gaethje's vacant right now. Gaethje's vacant. Chandler's vacant. Darius vacant. Islam vacant. Then Tony. So I actually did this night of the fight. Who is going to take this Islam fight? I mean, so, no way Darius takes it. He, I, I think Darius is the guy that they're going to slate for it. I think Gaethje's going to fight Chandler, Darius, Makachev, Ferguson, Ferguson, McGregor, RDA, Hooker. Right, but Darius is like the veteran, you know? Like, he's going to – I don't think he wants that fight. I mean, unless they force it on him. What fight is he angling for? Gaethje? I mean, I guess you're not wrong. He needs to take one of those top five, and, and Michael Chandler realistically is two fights away from the belt. Why not, why not Islam Chandler? I don't hate that. I mean, there's no point to give him to Gaethje because Gaethje, I imagine, will be a very similar fight to Habib. And the leverage, the leverage is all on the UFC. I know we're talking not six months ago where Michael Chandler's coming in with the leverage, with the hype, um, get, I mean, getting that title shot right off the bat with only a Dan Hooker win to his name. And now the foot, the shoe's on the other foot. He's coming off a brutal knockout loss. He's coming – I mean, he, he has to work his way back up. I, I think that he's kind of at the will of the UFC here um, after his contract or I guess his, his investment going under. I agree with you. And it also would be a phenomenal – way to match up what i would say is probably the two top wrestlers in the division i mean there's a lot of good wrestlers at lightweight but i don't disagree when uh, you throw in grapplers yeah. obviously Oliveira is going to take that cake right. but just wrestling talking, just wrestling i mean honestly makachev is probably a better grappler than Oliveira. i'd love to see that i'd love to start that conversation but we don't have to well, do it on this recording yeah, I mean, no way submission threat-wise, but maybe overall grappler. I mean, and then you also got guys in the in the lower half, like a Gregor Gillespie. I mean, that dude can wrestle with the best of them, too. Sean Brady. Sean Brady. Oh, that's up a division. But uh, Armin Sarukian, if we're going to talk the same kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, there's a ton of phenomenal wrestlers at that 55, 70, and even 45. But – yeah, I mean, I would love to see Islam Chandler. I'd love to see Islam Gaethje. I would love to see, even – I think Islam Dariush is my least desirable, but probably most likely. That's the one I think I, – at least that's what my brain thinks. Yeah, I'm with you. All right, news and notes. Phenomenal card last week. Islam slides up to fifth in the lightweight rankings from, I believe, ninth. Everything else from last week kind of is the same. I mean, Misha Tate's in the rankings now. Matus, I don't believe, is. Just because I don't think Jeremy Stevens was. Yeah, Matus isn't, but he's probably on the fringe. Uh, but other than that, not a whole lot of movement within the rankings talk. But some, some new prospects definitely are making some, a name for themselves. News or notes? Kobe, what do you got? 
Yeah, let's let's start off with one that I don't think anybody's psyched about talking about, but Anderson Silva, Logan Paul's rumored that's going to be a boxing match. Again, it's probably one of those boxing matches that's, well, this one could be sanctioned. Um, but yeah, I, we saw Anderson Silva's boxing debut not long ago, what, two, three weeks ago? Yeah, I want to say a month ago at most, the Julio Cesar Chavez one. And he looked good. And so I, I, I think that I'm probably speaking on behalf of the three of us here that we would definitely expect Silva to come in and win that fight. And again, don't want to spend too much time on this because it's a little bit of a gimmicky stuff, but yeah. And I, I usually don't like to throw my hard earned dollars on it, but where that line opened, I can't hold back dog play on Silva for sure. Uh, back in the UFC, UFC 266, we had another fight announcement, Curtis blades and biggie boy. Uh, that's the fourth fight on the card behind Robbie Lawler, Nick Diaz, Valentina, Lauren Murphy, and Volk Ortega. Incredible card. Vegas, you are lucky ducklings. Honestly, what I would do. That's September 25th, as Danny mentioned, at T-Mobile back in Vegas. Um, we also have five weeks of Dana White Contender Series, series coming up next month, starting August 31st. Yeah, and Dana White Contender Series is – not a, I mean, I, I personally am, am slanted towards tough just because of the history of tough and how it really helped me branch off in the sport. But Tuesday Contender Series has some phenomenal people coming off that show. So I'm excited to see another season. Of Not them. to get Bogdan Bogdanovich, but I've kind of been noticing recently there's been some terrible fighters coming off of Dana White Contender Series. Like who? I mean, I, I mean, think I, I mean couple- off the top of my head, the Buys family. Yeah. I mean, Diane and JP Buys. Yeah. I think he gives out too many contracts, but at the same time, I think that there's a ton of like high level guys on that show too. If you know, oh, for sure. No oh, doubt. It's a, it's, it's, it's a good time. Yeah. Yeah. I agree though. I think with time, I think Dana's kind of the first season was way more selective. Now it's kind of like, he's kind of handed them out like a lot. <laughs> But I guess you're right. This season, there's been some good ones. I mean, we're going to talk about Yanez later. We're going to talk about – I mean, not, we're not going to talk about him this card, but uh, you got guys like Dolce Longambula and, like, um, who's the other green fighter that we love? Um, with the – his name starts with an I. I don't know. Contender series? Yeah, we'll move know. on. We'll move on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything else? Good for news and notes. Okay. With that being said, I think we might as well get into next week's card. Assuming, Danny, you're ready. Yep. Let's go. I feel like to hear. Preemptively, before we get into it, this fight card is ginormous. I think there's six prelims and then also six main event fights. So, I mean, that's a 12-fight card. That's usually normal, but it's been rare since COVID. Also, just like not last week, but two weeks. Impa Kansanganai. Oh, Impa Kansanganai. Yeah, Impa's a beast. Sorry. Um, <laughs> no, that was worth it. With that being said, this card starts on the earlier side. Last week was a little bit on the later. The fight card two weeks ago was on the earlier side. This one as well. Prelims here start at 3 p.m. this Saturday. Main card starts at 6 p.m. this Saturday. So you can be asleep in bed by 10 p.m. if that's kind of your MO, which I doubt. With that being said, though, let's get into it. 
two women's fights to start off the card. The first one's a women's strawweight bout versus Hannah Goldie and Diana Belbita. And the line is Goldie minus 116, Belbita minus 102. Dan, you can start us off because I have nothing to add. Yeah, uh, neither of these women has a win in the UFC yet. And I don't see much from taping from either of them that impresses me that much. The only thing that really is of note is I think that Hannah Goldie is someone that the UFC is pushing um, a little bit from a marketing standpoint. And I don't think that's enough for me to bet bet on this at all. There's definitely a pass for me, a huge pass. But um, I wouldn't be surprised if Hannah Goldie wins this one easy and ends up being one of their um, higher, higher touted prospects. Well, for those listening, just from a – just from a betting perspective, you can get a small hunch at pretty much even money there. I, I don't have much to add personally. From what I taped, I just saw a whole bunch of nothingness. So I, I'm definitely passing on this. Yeah, I'm definitely not recommending any listener to yeah. bet on this one. It's if there's a, a big dog, I think I would probably ride, but this fight's just kind of like, uh, why is it even happening? <laughs> Next fight up the card is a women's flyweight bout. So Jara Eubanks, seven and six all time versus Elise Reed, four and oh, mixed martial arts, but that does not matter. So Jara Eubanks is minus 345. Elise. Biggest dog on the card, right? Or biggest favorite on the card? She is the biggest favorite on the card by a good margin, too. About a hundred. And, and there's a good reason behind it, at least from what I'm seeing. Eubanks has a huge size and reach advantage and experience advantage. She's coming down to flyweight, and you've got Reed across the octagon from her, who's a natural strawweight. So there's going to be a visibly huge size advantage. It's going to be look like they're two white weight classes apart uh, when they step into the octagon and, and yeah. touch gloves. Reed's a very green fighter at 4-0, but there are some decent wins on her record. She's a gamer. She's, she's a dog that's definitely going to fight for your money. I just don't know if this is the position to back her. I also I, – I really think that we're going to see her for a long time, but I think that Sarge is, is just going to be too big for her. Yeah, so Danny pretty much drilled everything I was going to say, and no surprise to anyone who's a, a listener of this podcast that I get – obsessed with size in there because what I've found over my career of watching is that a ton of people at this level are beyond skilled are beyond talented. And so one of the big difference makers are people who usually miss weight, which is a a weird indicator, but just size in general. I mean, Darren Till is one, a guy coming up later, Kyler Phillips. I mean, when the people look just like another out of this world weight class stepping in there, you can see them put their skills on display a little bit better because of how much control they can have inside there. And I do see that for Sajara Eubanks, this fight. I think that she's going to be able to pretty much take this fight wherever she wants. She's significantly bigger. And and I also love the fact that she does have the experience advantage that Danny also touched on. So believe it or not, I am taking Sajara Eubanks. She will be on my card. It, it probably will just be a one-unit play, but I also think I'll add in a parlay somewhere since her line's a little bit high. I, Definitely I be wary, though, of the weigh-in. I mean, we touched on that she's moving down for the yeah. first time. This is definitely a situation where you don't want to back someone who 
might faint on the scale. Right. Uh, place your bets yeah. after the way and after she looks like she's going to be much bigger than Reed. Bingo. Danny, yeah, exactly. I mean, couldn't have said it better myself. Wait for the weigh-in to happen, but I do see a spot here assuming that that checks out. Even if she misses weight, depending Even on – if she misses goes, weight, I almost like her more. Yeah, I was about, I was about to I say. Just, I, like, I'm just wary of her looking terrible on the scale. Yeah, me too. So, for those – I don't know if anyone watches the weigh-ins like Danny and I do, but make sure just to make see if – so as long as she's not fainting up there, I, I, I like her a lot here in this spot. And the line's getting away from you too. So be careful, like right around way in time to, to try to place it. Cause it's going nowhere good since open. Bantamweight bout Julio Arce versus Andre Ewell. I'm really excited for this fight. Like extremely underrated fight on this card. Julio Arce is minus 210. Andre Ewell plus 175. But I, this fight I am beyond excited for. Julio Arce is a guy that I personally have had on my radar for a very long time. He's someone who... I, I believe he beat Dan Ige a while back. Um, and, and he did. In, in 2018, he beat Dan Ige. Uh, he's had a couple. He lost to Dawadu via split decision. He lost to Shaman Marais via split decision, who's no longer in the UFC. But, but all in all, I, he's an extremely talented striker. And I'm really excited to see him back in action after almost a, a two-year layoff. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Both these guys, very competent strikers. Um, I don't think I've been on Arce as long as you, but I'm a big fan of his now, especially after taping all week. I do think yeah, he's, he's definitely – yeah, I do think he's definitely the sharper striker of the two, way better strength to schedule. Um, I think he's going to be able to handle Yule wherever the fight goes. And this is one yeah. of the only spots of the night where I think I'm going to – end up playing i like julio arce a lot and i still like him at the minus 210 i think that yep. i think that this is a good spot for him to get back on track no i'm i'm right there with you dan and i think that i i like andre ewell as a fighter i think that he's a phenomenal striker that is really good at using his range for his weight class i mean he's he's a bantam weight with 75 inch reach he's very good at staying on the outside but, I mean, he's, he's getting split decisions with Erwin Rivera. You know what I mean? I mean, split decision, Jonathan Martinez. Lost to Nathaniel Wood, who came from a, a different promotion. I think that might have been his debut. So, I, I, yeah, I, I, I really like Arce here. Arce is one of the guys I've been following for a while, though. Did you watch the uh, Ige fight when you taped it all, Dan? It was bloody. You're muted, my guy. I did not watch it this week. Okay, it was a bloody bath, but Arce stayed with it, and it was, it was a fight that I could not recommend more. I think it was the E game, but it also might have been the Shaman Marais. I can't remember now actually, but Arce is an absolute gamer, and I, I, I or Arce, and I, I like him a lot here, like a lot, a lot. I mean, maybe probably will enter that parlay with Sajara Eubanks. I was just talking about. Listeners, this could end up being a late ankle lock, but. I won't yeah. put that. I won't put that out yet. Look no, on our Twitter. We we Danny and I will tweet it out at Ankle Pick Pod along with our official plays. Right now we have no ankle lock, which is rare. But we are being very selective given that it's nineteen and nineteen. We promised Kobe that we would get hold on, hold on. 19, nineteen and nine. Nineteen and nine. Nineteen and nine. 
I promised Kobe we would get into to the 20s before we had double digit L's. We intend to keep it that way, but I, I'm, I'm liking what I'm hearing out of Dan's camp with Julio Arce. Next fight, welterweight bout. Mickey Gall versus Jordan Williams. Jordan Williams, I believe, was a contender series guy. I'm like 99% sure he's a contender series guy, but he's an, he always puts on a really good fight, like a really exciting fight. This one got knocked off the main card in exchange for Adrian Yanez, Randy Coastal. For good reason. For the, oh, for, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, needed to happen. But so it's, it's a good thing to see, but for those following along off a different platform, yeah, so he did, in fact, come off the contender series, and then he lost to Nasruddin Imavov in his first UFC fight. That is Jordan Williams, and he is going to stand across from Mickey Gall, who was on the show Dana White looking for a fight. I'm like 99% sure. I don't – I think – Mickey Gall has been one of those, like – as close to a celebrity fighter as it gets that signed to the UFC. I mean, he's fought CM Punk, Sage Northcutt, Mike Perry. Yeah. I, I mean, just a, a sideshow fighter almost. And reasonably so, too, because he doesn't bring anything special to the octagon. I mean, he's usually a fade for me, in all honesty. He usually is a fade for me. Here he he's unsurprisingly the underdog Jordan Williams will be stepping in at minus 165 180 on a lot of other betting platforms and Mickey Gall will be plus 145 on the opposite side yeah this is a pass for me the entire fight striker versus grappler but neither fighter is very good it reminds me of that woman's fight that kicked us off um as we learned versus Mike Perry Gall is pretty tough so it, if my arm's twisted behind my back and you got to have me pick something here, I like the over. I think it's set at one and a half. Um, but all in all, I, I, I'm hoping that Jordan Williams can end this Mickey Gall chapter in the UFC for us. But that being said, I'm not super confident in it. I, I could see a couple of rounds of Jordan Williams on his butt and maybe even getting subbed. Yeah, I I always look for spots to fade Mickey Gall, and, and this one isn't it. I, I haven't seen anything out of Jordan Williams that excites me. I mean, he's an exciting fighter, but excites me as a guy who I'll put my hard-earned dough on. But Mickey Gall also is a no bet, even at plus 145. I agree with you, Dan. I think that if, if, Jor- if you told me that Jordan Williams was laying on his back for three rounds, I would believe you. You know what I mean? That's not out of the question. So that's a no bet for me, but moving up, we have someone who just was mentioned, Nasordim Imovov versus Ian Heinish, who I most recently lost betting him as a dog. The line on that is Ian Heinish minus 150, Nasordim Imanov plus 130. Dan. That's an interesting line. I, Almost expected it to be the other way, but I don't really know what I was thinking. I've got Imovov as a real good technical striker, decent size for middleweight. Uh, I mean, at, at 6'3", 185, you, decent size for almost any sport that you want to do. But he tends to be slow, and he kind of lacks aggression early on in the fights, especially. We saw that versus Phil Hawes. Um, he really opened up in the third, but besides that, he was kind of getting – easily dominated and not really 
panic isn't the right word, but showing any sense of urgency. Um, Heinish Sanford MMA guy. We know how much I love that camp and I love um, my dude, Henry Hooft. He's definitely the more well-rounded guy here. He's got a better strength schedule, but he's on a downward career trajectory, uh, which worries me. I think I, I agree with the line. I favor Ian Heinish, but I wouldn't be surprised if Imabov, a guy we mentioned on the uh, um, first part of the show, trains with Cyril Gaon and uh, all the other French fighters that have been kind of blowing up. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a big knockout. He was pretty close to turning Phil Hawes' lights out in his last fight. Yeah. I mean, I see everything you see, except I worry in the aspect that I haven't seen enough from Imavov. So I'm expecting big fight over fight improvements. I mean, like you, well, like we said, he trains at MMA factory in France. He's 25 years old. I mean, you can sculpt this dude like absolute clay. And so I do feel like we're going to see crazy improvements and the best has yet to be shown. I also wonder about Ian Heinish's record. I mean, more strength of schedule. He did beat Gerald Mershart, but he lost to a Mariak medal. He lost to Derek Brunson, who obviously has changed his career around since the start. But Ian Heinrich is a guy who came off the Tuesday Night Contender Series. And I think this is, has to be a no bet. But I think that this is one of those fights where three years from now, we're like, oh my God, dude, we had Eam evolved there and we passed. You know what I mean? I think that's a, it's absolutely possible. He's 25 years young and is fighting out of one of the better camps with some of the better prospects. So it's, he's got a big size and reach advantage and real power. Heinish or Eam evolved. Yeah. It's more the wrestling that scares me, but I guess we'll see. I mean, 0-1 in the UFC, lost to Phil – or no, 1-1. Lost to Phil Hawes, but beat Jordan Williams, who's right under him on the card, who both in their own right are just kind of there. You know, I, I haven't seen anything crazy out of him. This would be a big win for him if he beats Ian Heinish here. Is Ian Heinish still ranked at middleweight? He is not. He was for a while, though. So you're looking at beating a potential ranked middleweight for your third fight in the UFC, that could really project projectile Imovolve into the top rankings there. Middleweight bout. This is the one that Danny and I, if you listen to Set the Spread, are extremely excited for. Punahele Soriano versus Brendan Allen. And the line here is Punahele Soriano minus 115. Brendan Allen's minus 105. Yeah, this is definitely one I'm really excited for. Another... Uh, grappler versus striker matchup, but a little bit different. Um, Punaheli has kind of got that perfect combination of speed and power to turn your lights out with just one connection on your chin. You just have to tap it. Um, But I I really think this might be a bad matchup for him. I I think that we've got Brendan Allen who's going to shoot for a takedown in every round early. Um, Another Sanford MMA guy who I do think has a huge strength of schedule advantage, experience advantage over Puna Hele. Um, I think that his loss to Strickland kind of just reignited his fire. 
I'm probably going to end up betting Brendan Allen here. I'm going to back the grappler over the striker. I think that Brendan can turn this into a little bit of a more ugly fight than Puna Halle wants. Um, and I think this is a really good spot for Brendan Allen, uh, who I think is making a second resurgence in his career. I think that we're going to see him contend again. And I, and I love Brendan Allen. I mean, you know, I mean, he's 25 years old. He fights out of Rufus Sport. He's one of the better grapplers we've seen. We're, we're big fans of Brendan Allen here on the pod. What worries me is how available he leaves his chin. That's what worries me. And we saw it in Strong Strickland. He was on skates most of the fight. And we honestly, before he got the sub on Carl Roverson, we saw it. And, and that worries me. And Puna Heli Serrano is the type of guy who, if you give him your chin, he'll take it. And so I do worry about that. I think that Soriano via KOTKO is in play, but if it does hit the cards, there's no way that Brennan Allen doesn't win there. So you see, it's a tale of two game scripts. And so it's really how Brennan Allen plays this fight that will determine how it falls out. If Brennan Allen uses his grappling, stays a distance from Soriano until he closes it to shoot, gets control on the mat, Soriano is in trouble. Soriano, I'm going to back the Henry Hoof game plan, and that's why I love my bet. Boom. I, and you'll never hear me complain about that, ever. I will never complain about backing the Henry Hoof game plan. So I'm game see, for that. We just saw it work real well against one of the most technical strikers in the world and yep. Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Yeah, very well. And so with that being said, I would be I, I, this is one of those fights where whoever wins, I won't be upset. I love it. And both. I'm not trying to sit here and say that Brendan Allen is Gilbert Burns because they're not, he's not, but he's significantly better than Gilbert Burns. And I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, ha! Gilbert Burns is our guy. <laughs> but with that being said, I think it is time to summon country club Kobe for our MCC. Kobe, what are the rankings right now? Where's everybody at? No change from last week, except for the distancing in first place from Parker Bucks and six Rios. Tragic. Um, he's up there around 74. I'm sitting in second. It's 60, Danny, 57, Reese, 50. So we're pretty tightly packed in the back third. Yeah. Oh, you're, you're too kind to me, sir. Feels uh, like Max Verstappen or Michael Phelps is out front. And we're I just kind of. I feel like I'm just dragging my balls behind. I'm is so far behind. I haven't even sniffed it. All right, so I'll I'll Lewis Hamilton myself and take out Max Verstappen Rehouse in the first lap today. Cool. It's gonna go CKDKRP for MCC. I got some ground to make up. Bantamweight bout that is newly introduced to the main card. Adrian Yanez, contender series alum and knockout specialist versus Randy Cosa, recent title contender there at, at Bantamweight, but he contended at flyweight, did he not? Or am I all messed up? I'm unsure of that. I don't think so. Not Randy Costa. I'm thinking of Alex Perez. You're right. Randy Costa also is a sick knockout specialist. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm thinking of You're Alex right Perez. The second time around. Yeah. This is the so MMA Ra Twitter main event. Yeah, Randy Costa, Adrian Yanez. Adrian Yanez is minus 225. Randy Costa plus 185. Yeah, this is the MMA Twitter main event. Uh, you got Reese's versus Dr. Pepper. Um, this fight was scheduled based on some like sponsorship beef. I'm pretty sure. Uh, Adrian Yanez is a big Dr. Pepper guy and coast is a big Reese's guy. And I think the sponsorship set it up all on Twitter, but this is going to be a banger of an event. Both these guys are going to meet in the middle stand and bang. Uh, this is going to be an exciting one. 
I'll jump in before you go, Dan. Go ahead. I'm going Yanez by KO, minus 110. Awesome. Yeah, I, I think this one's going to be exciting fireworks from the beginning. It could very much bode well for your mind, or for your knockout. I tend to lean on this one that the over one and a half is a good value. I think that's yeah. around decent money. That's the play that I think might see my card. Uh, a lot of times, as, as we've alluded to before, I mean, we mentioned the Derek Lewis, Francis Ngannou fight a lot is a fight that's supposed to have fireworks from the beginning. And a lot of times they're a lot more apprehensive or trying to get their feints in or, or just trying to set something up that never gets there. I think over one and a half is, is a, is a good bet here, but for the MCC, I'm taking Yanez by decision. I think it's sitting at plus three sixty on five dimes. You're going to get even more value on your other books over above 400. Um, but that's my play. I think this is going to be awesome, but I don't think that Costa is going to respond well to being on the back foot or being, or, or to, ha- to someone being able to keep up with his pace. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm actually on what Danny alluded to. I'm on the over here, minus 120, and it also will see my card. It's not the best pick for MCC just because there's no extreme plus value to it, but I like this pick a lot. And I'll, I'll, I'm so down bad I'll, I'll take my points when i hey can this might be the ankle lock listeners yeah honestly this is, this is one of my favorite we didn't talk about this pre-show and that's why no, we never talk about discovering it now but this yeah. might end up being the real ankle lock this is something that we very much well, agree the on. over and at, at minus 120 for bantam weights is an absolute steal and both of these guys are technical strikers it's not like they're gonna go in there and just start flailing like monkeys they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna scrap but it's going to – I like by decision for either fighter if you lean one way, but I also love the over one and a half. I would be shocked if it, if it didn't go over. Looks and like it's going to see both of our cards. We love yeah, it. Yeah, it sounds that way. It sounds that way. And, and I'll take the free points for the MCC because I'm just so down bad right now. Next fight, women's flyweight bout, Miranda Maverick versus Macy Barber. Macy Barber I always thought would be my wife one day, being 22 years old and living in Chicago but I might need to wait a little bit longer on that. Miranda Maverick is minus 145, Macy Barber plus 125. I mean, what's her nickname, Macy Barber's? The future. The future Reese Pulfer wife. There you go. The future Pulfer. That's what I like to do that. <laughs> no, Macy the Barber or Macy the future Barber. Macy the, <laughs> Macy the Barber Barber. Macy the Barber future. Uh, <laughs> No, we've got an awesome matchup here, even with Macy coming off two bad losses and a bad injury to Roxy on that Connor Cowboy card. Um, And and interestingly enough, she's making a move. She switched camps uh, between her last fight, the loss to, was it Alexa Grasso? Yeah, Alexa Grasso. Yeah, it was a pretty pretty dominating loss too, if I remember. Yeah, she looked lost out there, and she's since moved to Team Alpha Male, Reese's favorite team to back. Yeah, so and, fade. Right, and so Miranda Maverick, for me, at 24, is the hottest prospect at flyweight. She's got KO power. She's a great wrestler. I think the striking might be competitive, but I end up favoring Miranda here in terms of power and technical ability, and I also think she'll be able to mix in wrestling whenever she wants. I think this is a good spot to play Miranda Maverick. I really think Macy Barber's going to get stomped. Um, I'm going... 
This is another one where I don't have the play written down, so I'm going to go off the cuff. Miranda Maverick inside the distance. Let's ah. go crazy here. Violence, baby. At women's flyweight. Let's do it. I love that. Kobe, have you gone yet? No, I haven't. Dan keeps jumping me a little bit. That's um, fine. Take the advantage. I'm also on Miranda Maverick, but I'm going to go by decision plus 140. Danny, I'm looking for inside the distance. Do you see the number on it? Yeah, inside Four over 45. What do you say? I'm seeing plus 385. No, 385. It is 385. Do I need to refresh? I'm seeing Maverick inside distance plus 445 five times. Yeah, you're wrong. You were also wrong on your Yanez decision number, but we'll, whatever. Jeez, Dan, are you looking those up on Android? I'm on I'm on my best fight odds site here. On Android? No, I'm on my work computer. Is that a non-Apple? It is not an apple. There you go. Be gone, vile man. Be gone with you. I am going to go Miranda Maverick wins by decision as well, plus 140. I love that pick. And, and, and for those listeners, I got cute for the MCC. But Miranda Maverick's straight line will see my card this weekend, almost guaranteed. It would take something magical to randomly appear for me to get off this. I like Miranda Maverick a lot. Next fight, moving up the card. Featherweight bout, Darren the Damage Elkins versus Derek Minner. And the line is Darren the Damage Elkins plus 130. Derek Minner minus 150. Kobe. Uh, I'm on Elkins plus 130. All right. I love that line. Dan? Darren Elkins, the owner of... Maybe the all-time worst tattoo, the damage across his chest. And I'm not talking about scar tissue. I'm talking – it literally says the damage across this guy's chest. Um, Kobe, that's not a bad pick. He's a dog who's going to fight for your money. You're never out of it. He's got a lot of heart. He's going to absolutely grind for you. But I'm really I'm really a big Minner fan. I have the Glory MMA with James Krause. Um I think he recently made the the switch there, maybe two fights ago or one fight ago. But you know he's going to be looking for a sub. It's not going to come easy against uh, Darren Elkins. I'm I'm going to go with Derek Minner by decision here. Uh, I don't have the number in front of me. Wouldn't get it right anyway. Hmm. I, I like to set my own spreads. I don't like to read them off the page. That's plus 250 for you. Poha. Poha. Gilbert Poha Burns. I am on Elkins via KOTKO plus 715. Yeah, write that bad boy down. Darren Elkins is impossible to finish. Minner's only shot is by sub. Or by decision. I'm fading that the sub will happen. I think Darren Elkins will use a little bit of the a little bit of the the damage technique of being a zombie until Minner dies and then finishing him off with a couple follow-up one-twos. All over Elkins here. Probably won't see my card because I worked too hard for my money to throw it away on a guy with that tattoo. But I like it for the MCC. It's crazy that I also have the word zombie written down. Relentless <laughs> pace moves forward like a zombie. Dude, the man actually is a different breed of human. But I do think – does he train on Team Alpha Male? I'm pretty sure he does. 
He might. I mean, Alpha Mel's all over this card. We're going to move on to Piva Phillips that's going to have Alpha Mel one half uh, of it. I don't like talking about it. Um, he Oh, it says he has no affiliation, but I'm pretty sure he trains that team Alpha Mel. That is Darren Elkins. Moving up the card, we have Kyler Phillips versus Julian Piva. That fight is like, again, another one of those Twitter main events here. Nine and one, Kyler Phillips versus 20 and three, Julian Piva. But the records don't tell the tale. Kyler Phillips, minus 270. Julian Paiva, plus 230. Kobe, you're up. I'm on Kyler by KO, plus 395. So I'm on Kyler by decision. And this is one of those fights where I think the value is all over Paiva. Uh, This line is way too large for me. I liked it a lot more at the open. But... That being said, Pive is another team alpha male product. I'm not going to – I just can't back him. Moving up to Bantam weight, I'm interested to see how he looks with 10 pounds of extra water weight without having to cut that extra 10. I think it's probably his more natural weight, having a lot of cut problems. Um, earlier this year and just earlier in his career, I just think Phillips is going to be too good for me. A great one-two going against Song Yedong. He's a good wrestler. Um, the only thing I think for Paiva is he's going to have a speed advantage. I just don't know if that's going to be enough. Uh, I'm, I'm going Phillips' decision. I'll tip my hand a little bit. It will not be enough. Phillips is ginormous. And going all the way back to the Eubanks fight that we recently talked about, Phillips is a big, big man for 135, and he's also a talented man for 135. I like Phillips a lot here. He also will be seeing my card straight at the minus 275. Probably will add him in the parlay with a couple of the other names I've mentioned and a little bit heavier of favorites here. I think this, this card all in all will be a pretty chalky card. I don't know, Dan, if you're on the same sentiment there, but I feel like there's a lot of big favorites that are very appealing. I don't really see the, for me, it's just going to be a light card. I don't, yeah. I don't see it being a big, 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 unit. I don't see myself big playing unit. heavy chalk. But with that being said, I'm all over Phillips here. I like him a lot. I love the size. I, I, I think he, I wanted to say shock the world, but he's minus two seventy against the 20 and three Piva. So I guess just prove the world right in a way. Now, I've been trying – I can't take the 270, so I've been kind of toying around with where to go. It's tough. Piva's a phenomenal striker. I don't know Phillips is a submission threat, though, so it's a weird spot. So I'm just going to take Philip wins by decision, minus 105. I think I'm tailing Danny in that regard. But I, I think that's a fine play. But if I were you, I would lay the 270 personally because I think that, that Phillips can really get it done any, any way he decides to. But for the purpose of the game, getting the plus line once again, I'll, I'll, I'll take – or not plus, but lower line. But look for a Sajara Eubanks, uh, a Kyler Phillips. Um, I think we had a couple other names on there that I liked a lot. Coming Julio up. Arce. All, all those guys look like pretty decent parlay ads if you're looking to scrap some together, but Kyler Phillips, I like a lot there, but for the purpose of the game, I'll take by decision. Moving up the card, Wyndham Bantamweight co-main event, Aspen Ladd versus Macy Chiasen. Another fight I'm really excited for. Aspen Ladd minus 200, Macy Chiasen plus 170. CK. 
I guess I'm just all over violence here because I think this is my third knockout call, but I'm going to take Aspen Lad by knockout plus 345. I love that. You're actually, I'm starting to swell up over here. That's a great pick. Yeah, this fight I'm not so much excited for. Maybe it's just the women's MMA aspect, but we've got Aspen Lad coming off both the ACL and MCL reconstruction surgery. I know firsthand that that's no fun. There's a lot of question marks there. She's definitely the stronger of these two women, definitely the better grappler whoa, of these whoa, two whoa, women. Whoa, 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 wait a second. Wait a second. Is this fight off? I'm on it. Let me know. Apology has Aspen Ladd versus Macy Chiasson as a canceled bout. Sorry, Dan. Did not mean to cut you off, but as I was doing research, I saw it and I was taken back. I'm seeing the same thing as you. I won't yeah. go into it more. With that being said, I guess maybe injury your pick. not disclose which fighter has the injury as of less than an hour ago. Yeah. Is that all? Breaking off? news. Off. Okay. So as you're listening of the, listening for this, I was gonna ride Aspen Lad, but Aspen Lad recording. Do we want a hey Mickey, you're so fine, you're so fine, you blow my mind main card pick? No, fuck Mickey doll. I think we uh, I'll let Kobe. Kobe's the commissioner. I'll we let him already have five. Let's keep it at five. Keeping it at five. Danny, you're shut down. But so as you're listening to this, breaking news, Aspen Ladd versus Macy Chiasson is off as the co-main event due to an undisclosed injury from an undisclosed fighter. But the fight is gone. Tapology is on top of their shit. So, I'll bet it's one of two fighters. <laughs> that's a safe bet. I will hammer that at minus one, a million. <laughs> with that being said do we just go to the main event what do you think just grab yep, that let's move on all right main event no need to waste time main event Corey sandhagen danny's front contender for knockout of the year against tj the snake in the grass dillashaw and the line on that is Corey sandhagen minus 185 ex champion tj dillashaw after a long layoff plus 160 kobe you're first yeah, this layoff in particular dates me as a UFC fan because this is something that TJ Dillashaw is a fighter that I haven't seen a lot of. Um, but I'm going to take Sandhagen also by KO here, plus 135. There's so many questions surrounding this one for me. Um, obviously, you have the layoff. Obviously, you have the performance-enhancing drugs, and there's not really a clear distinction of to when the steroids started or when they stopped or to what matchups he was juiced or to what he wasn't. Um, not to mention, he also looked real bad on the scale when he moved down to um, what was it? 125 for the Cejudo fight and got finished early as a result. Big EPO send though. And, and I'm and that won't be a problem at all up at 135 where he feels more natural. And then across from him, Sandhagen. I mean, this sport is a victim of recency bias. You've got Sandhagen, as you said, who, in my opinion, has knockout of the year. Maybe knockout – I don't want to, like, go too far here, but it might be, for me, the greatest knockout that I've ever seen, the way he set that up, the way the preci- – it was so precise. I mean, I don't want to get into it. He's crazy. He's a crazy contender, super huge for the division, phenomenal striker. Um, 
little bit to be desired in the grappling realm. Highlight real KOs out of his ass. I mean, forget the knee. We're talking about the spinning back heel on Marias. That was awesome, too. And he's a team elevation guy. He's got Trevor Whitman in his corner. He's got everything going for him. The thing for me is, with all the question marks, is I just can't be super confident about either side. And I really don't know how anyone can be super confident about either side with TJ coming off of such a big layoff. I have to take TJ with this value. I, I have to. Yeah. Even though I think that Corey Sandhagen is awesome, a super exciting fighter, a guy that's going to challenge for the belt for sure, maybe even touch gold. I see this fight as a much more even one, though. And for that reason, I have to. I have to take TJ. Um, the other thing for me is that I, I've, I've heard, I mean, not even I heard, TJ has been up at elevation, not so much this year, but last year and years before. And they, they've trained, they've gotten rounds in. He's and the rumor is the grass with Dwayne Logwood. The rumor is that TJ was getting the better of him in those sparring sessions. I'm really? going to take the really. Wow. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take TJ. Uh, I think it's plus one sixty right now. Yeah, it is. I don't see this seeing my card just because there's so many question marks, and that's not a betting strategy that I've ever been successful in. Yeah, guessing sucks. Um, <laughs> but I'm taking TJ here. You know, sometimes Dan, when I'm on this pod with you, I wish we could just kind of like turn into one blob, so we don't just annoy people with the same thing over and over again but I mean I echo everything you said a lot of question marks in the fight it's impossible to pass on TJ Dillashaw at this value I mean MCC aside this will probably see my card as well but you're looking at a guy who the biggest question mark for me is less on the sand egg in front but more on what how much of TJ did we see without EPO did he only use EPO to cut weight to get down there for the Cejudo fight? Or did he take years off Cody Garbrandt's career with his drug-induced, you know, performance enhancing? And, you know, I, and these are the questions I ask. Can, can, is there tape out there for me to watch of TJ Dillashaw where he's confirmed clean? I don't think so. But I look at a guy who I've seen fight his entire career. I watched him on The Ultimate Fighter. I watch him upset Henan Burrell. I watched him grow as a fighter, and I, I love Corey Sandhagen. and I think he's a phenomenal striker. But what you saw Aljamain Sterling do to him is entirely possible. Way too easily. Yeah, way too easily. And, and I think Corey Sandhagen will produce more phenomenal knockouts, especially at 135. I think Corey Sandhagen is going to grow as a fighter. I'm excited to see where he grows. I just think that this is going to be more of a learning experience for him than it is a a notch in his cap give me tj dillashaw but i'm actually gonna go for broke here and i'm gonna go tj dillashaw wins by decision plus 420 i i think the finishes are also within the within the play for sure i i think submission for dillashaw at plus actually kobe fuck it i'm so far in last give me dillashaw wins by submission plus 1135 I was about to compliment you. I have decision written down. Damn. 
keep the compliment because I want decision. I believe it'll be a decision, but I got to chase here. I'm so far away, Dan. See, I, I just went with the I want points, so give me the dog. I don't need to get special if I'm well, taking you're, the dog. You're, you're sitting in a spot where you have that opportunity. I'm sitting here begging. For Not so much. We're all chasing Parker at this point. That is true. And for those who have followed along in the game, Parker is pulling off one of the craziest things I've ever seen. He's a guy who really doesn't follow that closely. He rarely has been here for the MCC for that regard. And he just hits. You know what? I have never seen champion among us without a doubt. I mean, what I'm telling you people as a viewer, if you want to follow somebody's props, I honestly say follow Parker's props. I mean, the man is up every single time. And it's just off the tongue. Parker's props. props. Parker's props. TM that shit. I mean, you have two positive tracked cappers here in Danny and myself, and Parker is leading the charge by almost double. I mean, you can't make this shit up. And Kobe makes it sound nice. Kobe does make it sound nice. And look nice. Look at that smiling mug there. Look at that. Country Club Kobe. Maybe we get a YouTube clip just for all the ladies who are watching. With that being said, though, do we have anything else to add, gentlemen? I think the MCC's finished. Parker's picks. He's out partying with the Bucs. Congratulations to them on snapping that 50-year drought. So Park will be on next week as usual. Everyone else, I appreciate you being on. What do we get? Any any news coming up, Kobe? As far as like anything changing, uh, believe network or interviews? Nothing. Keep an eye out for more content. Or uh, we got go, people. Fun stuff lined up. YouTube's Look for us on happening. YouTube. Yeah, YouTube's happening. Card stuff is happening. More fight stuff. Obviously, we're all over it. We appreciate you all for listening. Shout out to those who have reached out to us on Twitter. It's been a blast communicating with you guys. And we will see you for Set the Spread on Sunday. Po ha. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.